Hey there, guys. Welcome back to the Straying, Staying, not the Straying Christian, <laughs> staying Christian <laughs> podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Gavin Hobbs. That is me. Um, and my name's Eli Shamley. This is a special podcast yeah. edition because we have our first interviewee, Paul Pavau. Yeah. It's a really good time. And uh, you still can't get over that I had intro to pause. music because <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it might overpower me because it's loud. Um, we talk with Paul Paval for a while. It's really good. Uh, I was really encouraged by our interview. Um, but uh, how many... Do, you want to do these more, right? These interview things? Yeah, I'm hoping to do these every couple episodes, if not every other. We'll have someone come on the show. We'll talk to them about how they became a Christian and uh, what they've learned. Hopefully their wisdom because... We've only been a Christian for like uh, a couple, a few years, so we only have so much wisdom, and we'd love to gain more wisdom from older, wiser Christians. Yeah. So anyways, um, this is, <laughs> we're not at all certified interviewers, so. No, we we just pulled him in our little cabin, and we're like, hey, you, would uh, you mind talking with us? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. So it's anyways. Like, sure, weirdos. It's not professional at all. It. Hopefully it sounds good. The only thing I want to mention is my voice may sound a little weird because I'm using a third uh, different we, microphone. Yeah, we had to use a different mic. We had to improvise. Um, that we haven't figured out all of its quirks yet. So right. once we get it worked out and all that, it'll sound fine for other interviews. But for this one, it might sound a little weird. Yep. But anyways, we hope you enjoy it. Um, we really did. Um, Without further ado, here is the interview. All right, welcome back to the podcast today. We have with us our first interviewee, I guess. <laughs> we what have you, with what us. What do you call someone who's being interviewed? I, interviewee. I actually don't know. Probably. I call him an interviewee. Interviewee. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we have with us Paul Pavel. Um, I'm trying to do an intro for you. You're the owner of a website. You've written multiple books. I feel like. Yeah. Like so, I, I have two websites that I'm still doing. Um, I've done three or four in, in the past. Um, I've written two full-length books and a couple of booklets. I've read a good portion. Yeah, I've read a good portion of the the decoding Nicaea one. Okay, yeah. yeah. You've written yeah. like five books, right? Well, the Logos uh, one was re. re yeah, the in yeah. the beginning was the Logos was. You know, it's John 1 1 using Logos instead of Word, but people weren't really catching it. They're like, what is this? And they didn't like the picture on the book. So after about five years, I changed the name to Decoding Nicaea. Mm -hmm. We changed the picture on the book to a real, uh, you know, ecclesiastical looking thing. And people like the book a lot better, but that's the same book. Okay, and then I yeah. just recently finished Rome's Audacious Claim. Um, then there's three booklets. So the booklet, one of them is Apostles Gospel. It's just a real simple walk through Acts. Grace is an explanation of grace. Mm -hmm. And I wrote one called How to Make a Church Fail. And mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't sell. I mean, nobody wants to make a church fail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, give, I give away... Uh, free copies pretty regularly I have a pdf up on the website okay so people do read it it's one of my favorite books i composed it in 20 minutes driving to work and then spent two hours writing it out just you know it went fast did a lot of typing wow. got a lot of words in because it was all pre-prepared mm -hmm. and it's basically just 
a history of the of from the beginning of the church until the Council of Nicaea, and it's from the devil's standpoint with the devil going, this is what I did, you know, I'm so wise, and I did this, and I did right. this, and that's hmm. why this happened. And huh. right. So yeah, I thought it was really awesome, but people don't want to buy it. Interesting. <laughs> I haven't actually read that. I'd Maybe they feel uh, convicted to read something from the devil's standpoint. Like... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I couldn't figure out what to do on the cover when I made the booklet. Hmm. And I ended up putting by Satan. <laughs> on, the, on the author part of the cover. No, well, maybe the they think are... it's written by like a Satanist or something. Yeah, maybe. yeah possibly. Hmm. Definitely not clamoring to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you guys the P the PDF sometime. You yeah, can read it if you want to. I good. think it's real interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting to me. Um, so you've written a couple books. You got a website. Most of your stuff is about early Christian church, right? And you, yeah, you, most of it is Christian history. You're mm -hmm. kind of like a specialist in that area, I guess you could say. Like you know that stuff like nobody's business. Early yeah, church stuff although it's and... really specifically a small section. So I've been studying church history a long time, but. You know, there came a point when I was looking at all the division and stuff that's in the church, and I was like, wasn't there a time when the churches weren't in division, and what did they believe? Right. You know, and I, it, it took me eight years to find out that the, you know, that you could read writings from the early church. I mean, they're called the early church fathers, but the early church fathers includes like the whole first six or seven centuries of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So I've read everything that I'm able to read from about, you know, from the time of the apostles until uh, 250 AD. Um, and then after that, it's sketchy. Right. Um, I wrote a book on the Council of Nicaea, which was in 325. So I know that history yeah. really well, the fourth century. And then, you know, the Reformation, because, you know, I'm a Protestant. Most of the people I know are evangelical. So mm -hmm. the Reformation kind of matters. Right. So that's the areas of church history I know. And I feel like I, I'm you know, I have somewhat expert status on, you know, the period from 100 to 250. Um, on the other hand, I'm on a group called uh, Patristics for Protestants on Facebook, and they have like 1,500 people on there. Mm. And some of those guys, you know, have just kept reading right on, you know, been reading the, the fathers for years and years and have written read large portions of the fourth fifth sixth seventh century and i haven't done that right so you're pretty specialized to really early and then kind of when the church starts to split and yeah the big split okay right yeah, okay. yeah very interesting okay cool so let's jump more into uh about staying a Christian and becoming a Christian. Because <laughs> okay. that's what our podcasts yep. is all yeah, kind of main points yeah. are. So let's kind of get like a history of you. How d did you become a Christian? What like sparked that? Was your family Christian? What, what is your story? My family was what is... Catholic. Okay. So mm. we were, um, we followed all the things we were supposed to follow. I wouldn't say we were a super religious family, but we did, you know, we went to mass every Sunday morning and we went to confession once a week. And, you know, I, when I went to, they call their Sunday school CCD or catechism. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I went to catechism every week, you know, I paid a lot of attention. I was actually interested. And, uh, 
at catechism, they told me when I did my confirmation. So there's big things when you're a, a Catholic. You know, you get baptized when you're a baby. When you're about seven, you have your first communion. It's a big deal. And then at 12 or 13 or 14, you get confirmed. It's called confirmation. And so I read about this and, you know, the, the Sunday school booklet said, you know, that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit and I'd become a soldier for Christ. Well, I was a pretty timid child. I was small. I got bullied a lot in, in elementary school. And so, you know, I, I just was timid. And uh, I did talk about God with, you know, people that I was friends with. Mm. But I thought, you know, I want to be a soldier for God, you know. So right. then they did the confirmation and nothing happened. And I was just really disappointed. And um, my mom, who was never really a completely converted Catholic, right? She became Catholic because she had to in order to marry my dad and agree that that we had to be raised as Roman Catholics. So she gave me a bunch of Protestant material and including... Do, do you know what the Archie comic books are? I, they're not really yes, still around. Yeah, I have a vague idea of what it's, you're talking about. Yeah, kind of like high school soap so opera was she, was comic. she originally a Protestant? Yeah, she, she was raised to, oh, okay. Church okay. of Christ when she's through okay, life. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, she gave me all this material. I found out about asking Jesus into my heart. And so, you know, I'm 12 or 13. So right. I, I asked Jesus into my heart the way it says, and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm actually really glad that no one was there to say, you just have to believe by faith. And, you know, because I wasn't in any way a Christian. I mean, I really meant it. I wanted Jesus to come into my heart. And every night I would lay on my back with my arms spread out <laughs> because that made it easier for Jesus to right. come into my heart. Right? <laughs> There's plenty of room there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I would pray. And then I heard someone say, well, uh, Revelation 3.20 says that, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, and Jesus is knocking because the doorknob of your heart is only on the inside. Only you can open it. I was like, what are you talking about? I can't the see a open, door. Dude. I don't know where the doorknob is. I don't, you know, I'm like, Jesus, you got to do something because I don't know where this doorknob is that I'm supposed to open. And after about a month, I just gave up. I just went, this isn't real. It doesn't work. And uh, wow. then one day I was at, I was probably 15 or so, and I was at a bookstore and I saw this book called You Were Born Again to Be Together. And I really thought I should just really get it. And I hear the name, You Were Born Again to Be Together. It, mm -hmm. it sounds like a Christian book, <laughs> right. but it is in no way a Christian book. It's a book about people being hypnotized and, you know, recalling past lives. And then the to be together is you meet your soulmate in your past lives and you go through various lives with her. And, you know, eventually you reach the fullness of union and you never have to reincarnate again. And okay. okay. So is it based I, off of like Buddhism or what is this? It's Eastern mysticism, they would call it nowadays. Hmm. And it probably has a lot more to do with Hinduism than Buddhism. Okay, okay. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I didn't know any of that background. I just was like, this is really cool. And <laughs> it's, you know, they hypnotize people and they checked some of these histories. And so it's all scientific and true. Okay. And, uh, you know, now I, I think it's demonic. Um, <laughs> so okay. part of the, well, I'll just tell the story. Okay. So long about, I, I was in my first year of co second year of college second year of college when you found this material 
No, I found it when I was 15. I just believed it. It didn't have real big impact on my life, but okay. you know, that's what I believed. You were just like, ah, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I just continued like that, but it didn't have any real hope for my life. So when I was 18, one of my uncles smoked pot with me for the first time and, you know, I liked it. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to keep getting. So I was smoking pot almost every day. And then uh, my uh, sophomore year of college, so it'd been a couple years, and uh, somebody got some LSD for us to do together. So I was doing this LSD. So the first time I almost got in an accident because I was driving. So don't do oh anything my like that. Wow. <laughs> the second time, um, I was sitting in my friend's um, garage, and it was a sunny California day. And I'm, you know, sitting inside the garage where it's nice and shady. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm on LSD. So I saw something, you know, I saw this big shadow walk up the the driveway and it just came walking up and then it hits the shadow of the d- garage door and I couldn't see it anymore because it was a shadow. And uh, I really felt like in my somewhat drug state that it went into me. Hmm. And basically for the next three years, I heard voices. Hmm. So... You know, they would kind of whisper to me, like be driving down the freeway and they'd go, you know, one little electrical signal and, you know, down your hand, just a little jerk, six inches and this, you'd kill four people, you know, flip the whole car down the road. And, uh, you know, and I, I just always, I well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And, uh, over the years, I, I really kind of came to identify several voices Wow, and, uh, it was just a part of my life. It was not really a big deal. Mm. So what happened is I, I went into the military at age 21 after my sophomore year of, of, of school. So actually, it probably wasn't three years that I was hearing. It was probably more like one and a half or two. The, the math doesn't work for two and three years. <laughs> I always thought it was. Bad memory. I'm old. Um, so I went in the military and I was talking one day at the table and I told these guys, you know, come on, the Bible, God's word, you know, all these people wrote it. It's men. How in the world could God have, have mm. you know, told them what to write? So by this time, you Catholicism and that was all that gone. was all gone. You were just yeah, like LSD and gone. pot, baby. And this is, <laughs> yeah, voices, and these mysticism. are weird. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy at the other table, real quiet guy, he was in our flight. You know, we have 52 people in a flight and basic training. And he was like one of the people that just, you know, didn't matter. And kind of like I was when I was in sixth grade. Um, and so I, he, he was just a quiet guy. He didn't speak up. He wasn't bold or anything like that. And he said, hey, the Bible is God's word and I can prove it. I said, okay, I'll talk to you. <laughs> um, but we never did have that talk. But when I went to tech school, which is the next thing you do after you get out of basic training so you can learn your career in Air Force, I, I went to the, I was at the library or bookstore, I don't know which, and I saw a book and it was called How We Got Our Bible and Why We Believe It's God's Word. And I was like, hmm. okay, well, that's what this guy wanted to talk to me about. So I, <laughs> I got I'll it. I'll read that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the big thing that stood out to me was the claim that prophecy was what proved that the Bible was the Word of God. Now, there was more, I'm sure, in there, but that's all I got out of it in my mm. semi-drugged state. Um, and I wasn't smoking pot since, I mean, I actually joined them. Part of the reason for joining the military is I wanted to quit. Mm. 
okay, all yeah. that stuff. It it's not. It doesn't do nice things to you. So despite the fact, you know, I've heard people say nowadays, go, you know, pot's legalized. It really doesn't do anything to you like drugs. That's not true. It will wipe out your short-term memory. It did a number on my short-term memory. Wow. And uh, and the it makes you passive and it makes you paranoid. And I was already passive and paranoid. So, so the fact that it got worse, <laughs> yeah, it just well. made me not care about life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll read this about the Bible. So, you know, I saw that about prophecy and I didn't think too much of it. I went to my first base and my boss is the assistant pastor of a church of God in Christ. Now the church of God in Christ is a black Pentecostal church. Mm. It's the kind of place where, you know, people are dancing and whooping and hollering and, uh, yeah, in the aisles. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, He's witnessing to me every day. And I am, you know, I, I was stupid in the sense of, you know, doing these drugs, mostly just pot. But, um, you know, but I was a pretty smart kid. You know, the part of the reason I was bored was because school was real easy for me. Um, so I just would back him into a corner over and over. And every time I backed him into a corner, he would go. Paul, you're going to make a great Christian someday. I love your smile. <laughs> and uh, so you just argue with him, and you would just beat him every single time. Yeah, he. I. Oh, I had these. You know, why would God send people to hell and burn them for eternity? Right. That's a hard one to answer, even for a Christian. <laughs> yeah. You know, other than going, it's in the Bible. It, right. It's hard to explain why God would do that. Yeah. So it was things like that would end those conversations, and he would, you know, just go, "You're going to make a great Christian someday, Paul." <laughs> So, uh, but he was an amazing man of prayer. So just a quick jump forward. A few weeks after I became a Christian, I had a friend who was an alcoholic and I said, you got to pray for my friend. You know, he's he's an alcoholic. He, he, he was a planned alcoholic. He drank a 12 pack of beer every day during the week and a case on Saturday and a case on Sunday. Wow. So a planned alcoholic as in he wanted to become an alcoholic or planned as in that was just his regimen? It was a ritual. He drank that set amount every day. Wow. Wow. Okay. And uh, so I I asked my boss to pray for him. My boss, you know, he prays and he prays like a black Pentecostal, you know, (laughs) I bind that demon in the name of Jesus. And that's awesome. So the next morning, so I, wait, you're backing this dude in the corner. You're saying you're wrong. This thing is yeah, garbage. Yeah, but eventually and then I became say, a Christian. Yeah. And then you say, hey, pray for pray for my buddy. This is later after I became a Christian. Oh, I'll okay. fill in the gap okay, in a okay, minute. Okay, okay. So it was only, I, I got there in February. I became a Christian in July. So it only took him five months to convert me. Wow. Okay. Um, but at, in July or August, I asked him to pray for my friend. He did that. I went and saw my friend on Saturday morning. He goes, the weirdest thing happened to me yesterday, Paul. I was like, what's that? He goes, I just didn't want to drink the whole day. I didn't drink anything yesterday. And I was like, yeah, all right. You know, I I was, so I was like, I need to pray like that. And then my friend won't drink. Um, (laughs) You were like, problem solution to this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it didn't work, you know, because the fact is prayer works by faith. Not by the way you pray. Right. And uh, he had faith. I didn't. And, you know, unfortunately for my friend, I didn't keep asking my my boss to pray for him instead of praying myself. 
because um, I, I saw my friend a few years later uh, and you know he was still drinking it was really kind of sad mm-hmm. um so anyway i'm there at the base you know i get there i'm arguing with this guy every day and here's the things that really happened that turned me around and they're not the things that would necessarily turn anybody else around but you know they made a big impact on me so one because that book that talked about prophecy um someone had given me uh the late great planet earth by hal Lindsay. so it has Hal Lindsey had a bunch of, you know, he's interpreting prophecy and talking about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was all supposed to have happened by 1988. So it didn't happen. So the book itself, <laughs> don't bother reading it now. Okay. But um, back then, it was the 1980s. It was 1982. So uh, that hadn't, he, he wasn't wrong yet. And, uh, but the book talked about Psalm 22 and how the, crucifixion was prophesied you know almost a thousand year in advance before anybody had ever been crucified hmm. and yeah. i read psalm 22 and i was like i think they're right one of the yeah. things a, the, a priest had told me when i was a kid well he told everybody it was in a sermon right. um but he said that the nazis actually did tests on people to find out how you die from crucifixion and so he explained what happened and how you're hanging there and you know and psalm 22 says you know not only they pierced his hands and feet but i can i can feel all my bones and a couple other things that i was like that really is a prophecy of crucifixion Hmm. and it's in the bible long before anybody was crucified so that made me go hmm um yeah one of the other things i remembered was watching in the presence of mine enemies which is a movie about uh prisoners of war in vietnam and you know one of the main guys there uh was there for seven years and at the end of it the movie shows them all they come out and they do two things one they sing god bless america the national anthem i don't remember which and then they all get on their knees and pray and i was mad i didn't believe in god at that point (laughs) i'd quit even really being eastern and i was kind of an atheist and uh you know, I wasn't a committed atheist or anything, and I was only an atheist for about two months before I became a Christian. So, okay. um, but that movie messed me up. I was like, why would you give thanks to a God who just let you stay in prison and be tortured for seven years? Right. Yeah. If yeah. God got you out, why did he ever let you in in the first place? <laughs> right. So I was I was pretty miffed. I was like, why are you guys praying to him? And why are you giving him praise? You should be cursing him for what happened to you. And I literally, I went to bed angry. Wow. Okay. You know, I was 21, had a bad temper anyway. <laughs> so I'm in bed and I go, what if the reason that they were praising him is because they actually got help from him during those seven years in such a real and tangible way that it kept them believing Mm -hmm. and the more i thought about it the more i thought there just isn't any other speculation and if i remember the room the uh movie correctly they were like tapping to each other morse code through the walls and stuff like that and i think they were doing scripture verses and stuff too and i was going oh my goodness this might be like some kind of proof of god and again it's not the kind of thing most other people would go you know this would make me believe god is real but for me i was like 
the only thing I can think of is that God actually helped these people, and that could only have happened if he was real. Mm-hmm. So, and, so all these things are kind of gathering up in your mind as you're going through these years. You watch this movie, you read this book, and just and then this black dude comes, and this, he's like, ah, yeah. you must become a Christian. And then, oh, you'll make a great Christian one day, Paul. And then yeah, and mind you, I loved up. him. For all the, you know, us going back and forth, he was such a great guy. Everybody right. loved him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what happened, you know, finally is I started reading the Bible and I, I started reading the New Testament and I had told him there's contradictions all through the New Testament. Right. I've seen a book on it. And he goes, well, you have to show it to me. So I go to the library and I can't find one. And I'm going, this is crazy. I've seen tons of books that talk about the contradictions of the Bible. Why can't I find one? And I was like, well, I'm just going to write one. <laughs> so I started reading the New Testament and, uh, I read through the Gospels and I just was like, this man's amazing. (laughs) And, you know, even more so, I thought, you know, at the end of his life, he gets killed. But his disciples don't go, oh, he failed. They go, he's the son of God. We're all convinced of it. And even when people go, well, I'm going to kill you if you don't deny him, they go, well, I can't deny him. He's the son of God. (laughs) And I was like, "You you could spend three hours with me and you would know that I'm not the son of God. But these guys spent three years with Jesus. Yeah. And they didn't go, you're messing with us. This isn't real. He didn't stumble and make mistakes that would make them not believe. These guys were willing to to die and be beaten Mm -hmm. saying that he was the son of God. And I was going, what in the world would compel a person to believe that a man is the son of God? And of course, you know, the things in the gospels probably would raising people from the dead and healing masses of sick people and stuff like that. And it just really got me thinking. So um, my boss he kept inviting me to church. So the first week, he just didn't show up. The, the, Wait, to pick, so, I didn't have a car. Oh, okay, okay. He was inviting me to church, and I, I said, great, I'll go. And he didn't come pick me up. <laughs> and the second week, it happened again. He didn't come pick you up? No. Okay. So the third week, I told him, no, don't worry about it that you didn't pick me up. I'm pretty sure that means God didn't want me to go to church. And so he was like, no, no, that's not the I will be there next week. So he came and picked me up. We go in there. It's a black church. There's about 50 people. And a friend of mine came with me. Mm -hmm. Um, We're the only two white guys in there. (laughs) And uh, so they, you know, ask us to, you know, introduce ourselves. And I go, hi, you know, I'm Paul. I'm not a Christian, have no intention of becoming one, but thank you for inviting me to your church. You know, and everybody's going, praise the Lord, hallelujah, because that's what they do there. And I'm like, praise the Lord that I'm not a Christian. <laughs> so I was kind of chuckling about that. But then they called everybody up to the front to pray. And I guess these people all prayed like Roger did. That's the name of my boss, Roger. Okay. And uh, they started praying. And that voice, the main one that I always heard, I you know, I heard several, but that main one that I, that I always heard and was still hearing. The one from the shadow that came in your head. Just kind yeah. Of, okay, yeah. It said, uh, it said, get out of here. I was like, and the voice always made suggestions, never gave commands. Huh. So it was weird to me 
this probably all sounds weird to everybody who's yeah. listening to that. <laughs> it was weird to me. And I, I, I went, I, I can't. How am I going to face my boss at work tomorrow if I just walk out of his church service? He was the preacher that day. He was the assistant pastor of that mm. place. Okay, wow, yeah. So, um, you know, and I wait a little bit, and the voice is stronger. It goes, get out of here. And I was like, I can't do that. I already said why. I can't do that. So this is the first time it's actually giving commands yeah. to you. It, usually it's just like, hey, we should do or we could do this. Yeah, what saying, if you did this? What if you did this? Now it's get Yeah, out. now wow. it's telling me okay. get out. And the third time it went, get out. And I mean, this is all inside. It's not audible. Right. And I went, no, you don't tell me what to do. That's <laughs> what I answered inside. That, you know, you don't get to tell me what to do. Mm. Yeah. And... Yeah, I don't know what to say. I it, At that moment, it looked like that shadow got up, walked down the aisle, uh, walked out of the pew, walked up the aisle to the door. And, and I, I, I kind of watched. I was looking at the door and I, it was like the light of the outside was there. I could see it as though the door was open. And then it all just went away. And I never heard those voices again. Hmm. So three days later, somebody invited me to go to a different church for a Wednesday night service. And now, despite all that, despite having read the Bible and all of that, I had not actually made a shift in my beliefs. Okay. I still believed if it feels good, that's what you ought to do. Okay. And if you tell people not to do things, just t- tell them not to hurt other people, that's fine. But if you tell them not to do things just because of your morals, that was evil to me. So... So you go through all this stuff, this shadow walks out, and you're just like, just like huh, interesting. And you're just like, uh, whatever, that's nothing. My beliefs still are great. I'm going to stick with them. Guess that's true. Okay. okay. I, I mean, I to be fair, I've done that about some things, too. I'm like, just, I'm just there have been to some catch pretty clear signs that I should not do stuff that I'm doing, and I'm just like, eh. So this guy that invited me to church on Wednesday night, he's 21, I'm 21, and he Mm. went to the youth meeting rather than to the main church meeting. It was an Assembly of God church. And uh, I go to the youth meeting, and they're like, don't do drugs, don't have sex, don't drink, don't this, don't that, don't the other thing. I was like, don't, don't, this is evil since you are oppressing <laughs> these kids and i was just i was pretty furious and mm-hmm. and right. so we'd leave and he goes how was it i was fine <laughs> i didn't say anything to my friend but i was just mad mm-hmm. and i go upstairs and the main uh wednesday night service isn't over so we walk into the sanctuary you know and it's pretty full for a wednesday night and I mean, I didn't know then that that was unusual, but I know now that a full Wednesday night's unusual in a lot of places. Hmm. And it was dead quiet and everybody like had their hands raised. And it was just this moment of the, you know, the awe and the presence of God. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Because I, you know, I was, I was all into spirits and mysticism. I was like, this is great. Looking for an experience. Yeah. Okay. So I go in there and, you know, and I kind of raise my hands at least as high as my shoulders. I wasn't <laughs> outgoing enough to really lift my hands. And I just sit there and I try to feel the, the spirit. You know, they're going, can you feel the Holy Spirit? I'm like, I'm trying. You know? <laughs> and uh, so after about five minutes of this, it was, you know, it ends. And I go out in the foyer and this guy comes up to me and he goes hey i haven't seen you before and welcome i'm like yeah thank you he goes did you like the service and i was like yeah you know (laughs) he goes could you feel the spirit in there he got i went "Um, i'm not sure right and he goes are you a christian 
And I was like, no. He goes, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So we, he turns out to be one of the most active people there. So active that the pastor was giving him keys to everything. So even though they ended up closing up while I was talking with him, it was no big deal. He took me to a Sunday school room and my friend that had gone with me on Sunday had come to this too. And, uh, my friend was my, my drinking buddy, you know? And as a matter of fact, I shouldn't be like that. I should say I was his drinking buddy. I'd never really been a drinker. I'd never really been a partier. You know, I mm-hmm. smoked pot with people, right. but I'd never been a real partier. He was, you know, and I would go with him places. I had money now. I'm in the military. And, you know, I was just ruining my life, spending it with him. Right. And, you know, he's leading me in in this, you know, new form of evil that I'm experiencing. And uh, so he's with me and this guy's talking to us. Well, he's talking mainly to me because I'm arguing with him. You know, once again, you know, (laughs) the Bible can't be the word of God. And, you know, God would never send anybody to hell. And, you know, that's mostly what I focused on. So we talked for two hours. And this guy, his name's Robin. He goes, he goes, okay, okay, listen. None of that is what matters. The only thing that really matters is, is Jesus the son of God? And I had been thinking about that, like I said, and I was like, I didn't know what to say. I just looked away. I was thinking, you know, what did I say to that? Darn it. He said it pit on and I don't know what to (laughs) (laughs) say. Yeah. So he looks at my friend and to my friend, he goes, what about you? Are you a Christian? He goes, yeah, I'm born again. I accepted the Lord at age 12. And, and he's the guy if, that's drinking and all that. I, I, my mouth dropped into my lap. I was so shocked. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but then, you know, then he goes back and he goes, so what? Do you believe Jesus is son of God? And I went, yeah, yeah, I do. And the whole world changed. I got, I was instantly filled with this incredible joy. The Mm. lights got brighter. The air got cleaner. The colors were richer. Mm. It was like the whole world changed. I was, I went, what is going on? What did you do to me, God? And Mm. I I felt like this voice said, I just baptized you in my Holy Spirit. Mm. And I'm like, hmm. You know, okay. Neat. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, well, it means this, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is just something else. Right. And uh, so he goes, you know, this guy asked me this question. He goes, so, you know, are you ready to accept him? I was like, uh, no, no, I'll pray on my own. And uh, so, you know, I, I left and I went home and he had told me, you got to pray and ask Jesus into your heart. So You're like, I already tried that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. But I went home and did it anyway, which, you know, nothing really changed because I was already completely fired up and full of God and amazed and in awe. And uh, so I went back on Friday and just, they had a Bible study Friday night and I just started living for Jesus the best I could. Hmm. So at that point, it was just, 
it was just that all of a sudden everything changed and you're, you just started reading the Bible and you're like, oh, this all and the makes sense. the things you had questions about, you're like, all right, I got to find out. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I got to figure this out. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I just agreed that, you know, okay, well, this happens. So now the Bible's the word of God or this happens. So now there really is a eternal hell that God burns people in. Right. Um, so that, that came later. Basically, I, I started reading the Bible and going, okay. So Jesus, I absolutely trust him. Anything he says is right. And he sent the apostles so I can trust them. You know, he told them, go into all the world, preach the gospel. So anything they wrote, I'm okay with that. That's the whole New Testament. Yeah. So that's the New Testament. And Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm reading the gospels and he's going, the scripture can't be broken. And he's quoting the scriptures and it's the Old Testament. I'm like, okay, well, you know, Jesus vouches for the Bible. I'm in. I, right. you know, I'm going to do the Bible thing. <laughs> and he talked about hell. So I was like, okay, well, I don't get it, but it's true. <laughs> so that was, you know, took me about a month, maybe two to, and I got this book called, uh, I don't know, it was a very short book with comics and it was written by Jack Chick. And uh, does that name ring a bell mm, to you guys? Yes. The I Chick me. Tracks. Yes. He used to make these little three by four maybe um these there are these long comics uh, comics about uh stuff that happens to people or whatever and then the end they either found out that they died or something and then uh god approaches them or they approach god and he's like well you yeah and it always ends with the prayer that you should that you should pray to ask jesus into your heart and uh i kind of like those now he ended up going off the deep end um, the guy who wrote those tracks just way off the deep end, but okay. they they were pretty good little tracks. You know, he had the four spiritual laws and a little cartoon track, and then uh, he had a book for new Christians, and it talked about this guy who used to read twenty chapters a day, and he just glowed with the Holy Spirit, and it said, "Now I'm not going to ask you to read twenty chapters a day. I'm only going to ask you to read 10. <laughs> and uh, so I was like. I'm I'm for this. I want to glow. I want to glow with the power of the spirit. <laughs> so I started reading ten chapters a day, and man, that'll get you through the Bible pretty fast. No kidding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was always this timid guy. You know, I was not one of the cool kids. I'm not one of the jocks. I'm over on the side. I have two or three friends, no more. And <laughs> I'm quiet. I don't talk to other people outside of my friends hardly ever. Um, right. But now I'm a Christian. And so first of all, now I'm even more to me. I don't know what I'm allowed to do and not allowed to do. I don't know the rules of being a Christian. Right. And But what I found out was if you know the Bible really well, then you are cool in the Christian <laughs> in world. In the Christian Yeah, kids. so yeah. I was like, oh, everybody likes me. And, you know, people just hug you no matter, you know, whether they really know you or not. You know, the yeah. past the youth pastor's wife she used to sing, you know, and at, at all the services and stuff. And so, you know, I, I think when I went down to get baptized or something, and afterwards she comes around, she's a really beautiful lady, and she just grabs me and hugs me. I was like, Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> it was all just just awkward. I didn't know how to live, but I did right. find out that I know the Bible, so I'm popular now. Whereas, you know, I was just one of the the brainiacs that was off on the side that nobody liked. Now I was like one of the jocks, you know, people right. like me because yeah, I yeah. got half the Bible memorized. And uh, 
so yeah, it was a, it was a really big change of life and hmm. a lot to navigate. Wow. Yeah. Okay. My dad has a used to have that big box of tracks, and I, I knew that he had them from his time being around you, and like you guys would do stuff together down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, your dad. My dad. Your dad was really my first mentor. Really? So, no. Yeah. He he was going to that church where that I was at at Wednesday night, and he was friends with Robin. What you you? How did I, I mean, not know? Robin. I recognized I Robin. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, I was like, oh yeah. So then I don't know the whole story of you guys. Yeah, I went to your dad's house three times a week. Um, now this was 1982. You weren't born yet. No. Um, ben was. Yeah. <laughs> you know now Ben's this big old guy, but. I used to throw him around on the couch when right. I was over there. We, you know, played all the time. So when he showed up here, he's like, hey, Uncle Paul. I'm like, really? I'm Uncle Paul. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you just look straight up. You're like, um, no, I don't. I think you got that confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I spent, I, the, I was, after I became a Christian, I was only still there nine months. The military sent me to Alaska Mm-hmm. which was very life-changing for me because one of my favorite kind of books when I became a Christian was the Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland books. Um, and those are, you know, like there's one called Write Your Own Ticket with God. They're by faith, whatever you believe, you know, just tell God, command him concerning the work of your hands, name it, claim it, you know, you're going to have whatever you pray for. So, you know, one March day, the following no, not March. It was January or February. So I've been a Christian about six months. And I go to work. I'm, I'm on the night shift, overnight shift. And it's 25 degrees in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I am out on the flight line working on planes. And it's still humid. There's crystallized ice you can see in the air, you know, floating crystals of water vapor. Okay. Wow. And it's freezing. They don't give you enough clothing to be in 25 degrees in florida you know the wind was blowing working on this plane i'm crouching down in the back part behind the cockpit trying to stay out of the out of the wind blowing so i started praying you know god i need to go somewhere warmer than this i need to go to maybe panama can you get me an assignment to panama (laughs) So I'm praying my heart out for Panama. While you're freezing out there in Alaska, fixing Florida. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, this was, this was in Florida. Right. Where, this was when, in Florida. Okay. Yeah, when I started praying that. So I prayed for Panama, and I got Alaska. Right. Uh, when, I I got, really... when I got these orders to Alaska, I was like, this cannot be. It's it like, cannot be. Kenneth Copeland, right. what it, what, I prayed and I did not get Panama. I remember when I first started listening to like Christian music, there was this band I was interested in called FFH. Have uh-huh. you heard of them? No. Um, but I listened to some interview. I don't know if it was like on a short thing on the radio or whatever, but they said, and I, I, I don't, this isn't a direct quote, but they basically said, we were looking for somewhere, uh, we, we knew we had to do missionary work and whatever. And they said, um, so we prayed, we prayed and asked God anywhere but Kenya or anywhere but like a, they were talking about a specific African country. And they're like, and God sent us there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah, like, he I've, seems to do that. <laughs> yeah, I wrote my own ticket with God. He tore it up. Right. <laughs> So yeah, it was a, and it was it really set the track of my life in Alaska. 
you know, hmm. you guys know enough about me to know, you know, I'm totally on the church, one, one church, one people live holy for God. Right. And, you know, I got to Alaska, I met her, I'm on a remote assignment right on the Yukon Galena Air Station. Mm -hmm. So there's only 300 military people there. And Sunday morning, you know, you got the Catholic mass or the Protestant service at the chapel. Mm -hmm. And there was about 30 people at the Protestant service, most of whom, you know, weren't spending any time talking about God outside of that meeting, which was another big shock after I became a Christian. I thought everybody had had an experience like me. Right. I thought everybody had, you know, been flooded with this incredible joy and was like, no, this whole world is different now. Right, right. And I found out that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. There's, you know, some really fired up people. And there's a lot of people who just go to church the way we went to mass and when I was a kid. And there's your buddy who keeps drinking and says he's a Christian and all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he quit. When when I got saved there, he was like, okay. And then he... Really? Yeah. He just hung out with me going to church after that. We didn't was go Was it just to, like, oh, I didn't realize how bad that was or whatever? What? Or it was... He never explained. Oh, huh. okay. I mean, he just... We never went and did anything like that again. Interesting. It was it was pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So in Alaska, there's I found five or six, you know, young people like me who were just really excited about the Lord, got them together on Friday nights for Bible study. Mm -hmm. And we would do we'd pray on the, you know, during the week and stuff. And on Saturday, we'd go in the I always say Eskimo village, but it, they, they were Indians, not Eskimos. Mm. And uh, there's a difference. And okay. yeah, so we go to the Indian village and we'd uh, pass out tracks and talk to people. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. We didn't actually lead anybody to the Lord. Um, but they had a missionary there, uh, an, another Indian from a different village. And he wasn't any more successful than we were. But we did talk to him some and had a good time. Um, but we only did that for like six weeks because doctrinal controversies came up between them. And after a while, I mean, a couple between of you them, and the people. Between no, between the, them, the, the, the other five or six, four or five other Christians. Oh wow! You know, okay. they they just were in. in mm. You know, most of them would still talk to me, all except one guy. But the rest of them, were, they, they're all offended. They wouldn't talk to each other. I couldn't get them to together anymore. And you know, it was. I went. This this is insane. Hmm. And at the same time, this guy back in Florida, your dad, Doug. Yeah. Um, has met uh, Mike Sabo. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Sabo, he was around before you were born. But mm -hmm. um, Mike Sabo is this guy. He's uh, basically been influenced by Witness Lee, who's uh, Watchman's cousin, and some other people from the, I guess it gets called the Little Flock Movement, but I think Watchman Nee is well known enough to just throw out his name. You can right. look him up on the internet. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, Chinese uh, church movement. And they made it to San Francisco. They influenced Mike Sabo. Mike Sabo came out to Florida and influenced um, Eli's dad. dad. Right. And now this happened while I was in Alaska. So I'm having my experience in Alaska. And this guy's telling Doug... Eli's dad that, you know, you shouldn't be calling yourself by names, but like, you know, the assembly of, you know, I'm assembly of God, I'm Baptist. Right. And, you know, he goes in the Bible, it says, you know, if you say I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of mm -hmm. Apollos, I'm of Christ, 
you know, separating into these groups, you're being carnal and not acting like and acting like mere men. So that's First Corinthians three three, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so he was like, we should stop saying we're assemblies of God. So that didn't make the assemblies of God happy. And <laughs> I can't uh, imagine it. Man. Yeah. Then uh, Mike starts teaching about authority, and that authority really comes from Christ, and you just don't do whatever a, a leader says. You know, you have to test that leader and, you know, let his faith guide you. And uh, so he starts teaching on that, your dad, on mm-hmm. in Sunday school. And, uh, yeah, eventually he was asked to top, stop teaching Sunday school, yeah. stop leading evangelism, um, and then eventually just got cold-shouldered out of the yeah. church. My so. dad's been pushed out of a lot of churches. So was he a part of an Assemblies of God? The same assemblies of God I was. Okay. Like I said, he was mm-hmm. kind of discipling. Okay, me. so you were down in Florida at this point. So we were backing up in Alaska. Now we're back down in Florida. Yeah. So okay. I, I got say I I went to Fort Walton Beach in February of 1982. Okay. I got saved in July of 1982. Okay. And in May of 1983, I went to Alaska. Okay. And from May 83 to May 84, I was there. And during that time is when Doug got you know, basically cold shouldered out of the assemblies of God. And I was having those problems with the Bible study up there in Alaska. Um, so I went from Alaska to Germany. They stationed me in Germany. And that time I did request it and they gave me what I requested. Which was Germany this time? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I was there for high school. My dad was in the Air Force too. So I went to the same base I was at in high school. Okay, wow. Yeah, and I spoke a little German, so I thought, let's just go to Germany, you know. And so on the way, which, you know, I flew back to California, and then I drove all the way to Philadelphia. So Florida's not quite on the way, but, you know, what I did was drive down to Southern California, drive across the states in the south, and then drive up to Philadelphia. And so I stopped in northern Florida to see Doug and, you know, my old friends and this new guy, Mike Sabo. And uh, they had a wonderful little house church going. I, yeah. I mean, I just really loved it. But I was in the military and I had to go to Germany. Right, right. So, you know, then in Germany, I had to figure out, what do I do now? If I'm not Assemblies of God, where do I go? And if I do go somewhere, you know, if I go to a Baptist church, am I then Baptist? If I go to Presbyterian church, am I then Presbyterian? How am I not participating in division by going to one of these churches. Right. So, you know, I'm just turning 23, about to turn 23, and, I'm, you know, it's a puzzling thing for me. I was like, ah, oh, you know, what do I do? You know, and so I just went, I'm going to go to the first places I go to. So I walked by the chapel. Uh, I was just on a walk, and I didn't actually know where the chapel was, and I saw it, and then I didn't know where it was. And uh, it had a, you know, Pentecostal Bible study Tuesday night. I was like, okay, I can go to that. So then on that, I think on that same walk, I went to the bowling alley. My my barracks room was right across the street from the bowling alley. And I was a bowler all through high school. It was the bowling alley I bowled in in high school. So I was <laughs> glad to go across the street, have a hamburger, bowl. And um, I, when I walked in, there's this guy and he's asleep, leaning on his fist, and, you know, his elbows on the table. and He's leaning on his fist. He, he's asleep, but he had a Bible open in front of him. 
I was like, okay, well, maybe God wants me to talk to this guy. So I sit down, and I kind of shake him and wake him up, and he jumps up. And is this I go, the clerk or just some random bowler dude? This is just some guy in, okay. the, in the bowling alley sitting at a table. And he's <laughs> not even a bowler, I found out later. But, you know, at the moment, it's just a guy sitting at a table with a Bible open in front of him sleeping. Okay, cool. He denied that he was asleep, but he was asleep. <laughs> and <laughs> But anyway, I got to talking with him, and he was with the Navigators. And that's... Uh, they call it a parachurch ministry, meaning they're not a church. They're a discipleship organization. They generally want you to keep going to your own church, but they do discipleship mainly with college students and young military people like me. So hmm. basically that Pentecostal group, I ended up being part of a home church with some of them and uh, met with the navigators the whole time I was there. That catches it all the way up to 1986, almost 35 years ago. I, like I have the gift of gab. So right. we, <laughs> you okay, want me wow. to try and cover the last uh, 34 years in five minutes? Oh, wow. No. That would. I, I feel like... <laughs> I'm going to say no, just because I know how much there is in that span of time. There's a lot. We could almost fill a whole other podcast with that, I feel like. Um, but you met your wife in Germany, right? I met my wife in Germany in 1987. When I got out of the military, I stayed in Germany for, yeah. as a civilian for four years. Yeah. Okay. I've heard some of your stories from Germany, so. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to keep on going on, but I don't know how long we've been going. I don't want this to be a super duper long podcast. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, totally understand. Yeah, we'll have to have you on another time. Um, so quick questions about all that. Did you ever like, okay in addition to adding those 35 years that you haven't brought up, you know, um, did you ever struggle with being a Christian and uh, like staying a Christian or was it just constant? Oh yes, this is beautiful. Wonderful. Christianity is the best and the greatest. I, I struggled with staying a good Christian and uh, well, actually, you know, one of the big things is that over the next few years, as I was, you know, once I left Germany, I went, I went to California. I really had a hard time finding people I considered just really excited Christians. Mm -hmm. And that was really disappointing. Right. And we started traveling around trying to find good churches that, you know, we want to be, I didn't want to be a part of a thriving mega church that made me feel great. I could always attend one of those almost anywhere. But I was looking for people that were family, that loved one another, that didn't want to call themselves Baptists or Methodists or whatever else that wanted to be Christians. I knew there had to be people like that. So we did a lot of looking for that, and we didn't really find anybody. And we had some disappointing experiences trying to create that that I can tell you about some other time. But in the end, in 1994, we were in uh, Knoxville here in Tennessee, and uh, we were just at a loss, you know, because we couldn't find what we saw in the Bible. Right. And, uh, which was acts and all those churches. That's yeah. What well, acts yeah. chapter two verses 42 through 47, you know, they continued daily and fellowship, the breaking of bread right. and prayers, you know, and the teaching of the apostles. And, we just weren't finding that. We, we'd right. find people in and go, hey, Hebrews 3.13 says you're supposed to exhort one another daily while it's called today. And they would go, well, we can't do that. We have to work. We have to this. And like, it's in the Bible. It's a command. You don't right. want to do that. And really, we had a very hard time finding people to even call each other up, trying to fulfill the command of Christ. And 
<clears throat> so it was driving me crazy. And at that point, I really started praying, you know, God, here's what I'm thinking. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would all be one so that mm -hmm. the world might know that yeah. you sent him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going, but we're not all one. Right. I don't see any unity. Yeah. I don't see that. So how am I supposed to believe that you really sent Jesus? You know, Jesus said that the thing that ought to make me believe is that the Christians are in unity. Right. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. to me what John 17, 20 through 23 says. Yeah, they will know us by our love and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not the same verse, but yeah, but yeah. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, where, where is this unity? Yeah. All I see is division. And <clears throat> so in that sense, you so know. That was probably your lowest point, you think? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I was like, really just going, I don't know. And, you know, worse, just to, you know, you can delete this out of the podcast if you have to. At worst, at that point, you know, I was really having a pornography problem. Right. And, you know, I was sneaking sometimes. And, you know, mm. there no internet. So I wasn't doing this on the internet. I had to go places and, you know, buy penthouse and whatever. Mm. And, you know, and I just, it was, it was just a problem. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't, it kind of started on and off just not too awful long after, after I was a Christian yeah. and, you know, it was so hard for me. So I was questioning and I was questioning, you know, why I couldn't find any unity and all of that. But really I, I, I can't say I ever thought about not staying Christian, about not serving God, not trying right. to overcome, you know, my lusts, not trying to be a loving person and witness and pray to God. But I was extremely just, that's probably my lowest point. And my, my wife was going, why don't you give up looking for this? You're never going to find it. This is dumb. We're going all over the place. We're never finding anything. Looking for that unity. Yeah. And this was a year before we came to Rose Creek Village. But right. we were we were really, we were really mm -hmm. down at that point. So as far as staying Christian, no, I've, it has never crossed my mind to go, I should quit being a Christian. Right. But right. there's I've definitely had my hard points and I've definitely had, you know, through that whole time when I was struggling with pornography, I was like, I'm going to hell. He who looks on a woman in order to lust after her has commit already committed adultery in his heart. Right. right. And uh, according to Galatians, you know, adulterers, uh, those who practice adultery are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I'm like okay, well, I'm going to do my best to get out of all this and maybe God will have mercy on me, but right. you know, I'm probably going to hell and I got to find something to get out of all this with. Right. But I was still trying to serve God. Yeah, you were still, you were still committed to that and convinced somehow, even though you couldn't find all that unity. But at that point, you were just kind of despairing. Essentially, yeah. you were like... Thinking of just... This? Going back to a mourning the current state of of nobody being in unity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you know, even Knoxville, I, I was just trying different churches mm -hmm. right. and seeing. I know it's always trying to start a home church because we had we had some pretty good home churches during yeah. those last four years in Germany, and uh, you know, but it, it just it just didn't work. And even the people we met, they just you know, it, it wasn't worth it all to them. It was a great side thing, you know. To, mm -hmm. It was their religion, 
that they attached onto their lives. But for me, it was my life. So I would quit, you know, when I thought that I could get fellowship, I would quit my drive, quit my job and drive across the United States to be a part of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I was looking for other people who were like that. I sh- I'm like, surely I can't be the only one. And, you know, I know now that I'm not the only one because we right. had a church full of people like that, you know, back in the late 90s and the 2000s, you know, right here at Rose Creek Village, right. who picked up, you know, gave up everything, left yeah. their jobs and came here to, to you know, follow Christ with us. You know, and that somewhat blew up a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, about the same time my life became mostly about having cancer. <laughs> right. Right. So, so let's touch on that real quick. Cause I think that's interesting. Um, so you joined, you found this church, Rose Creek village, which was led by, uh, why is it? Noah, by, by David, Noah, Taylor, David, David Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. He, he went by Noah at that point, but it was, yeah. Um, and uh, you joined that and then, uh, there was a lot of things that went on there. We could fill multiple podcasts with, and <laughs> yes. um, and then uh, you uh, contracted cancer. How was that for you getting cancer? And uh, like you had those questions back then, like why would God send people to that? Why would God give you cancer? Like what was what, well, what went through was, your mind? At I was that point? way past that. Actually, what really helped me was way early on while I was still in Alaska, I read a book called Inward Journey by Gene Edwards. Mm-hmm. And really, you read that book, you get done with it, you go, I need suffering to be molded into the image of Christ. <laughs> Send me suffering. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't always handle the suffering God sent me. But in 2011, when they told me I had leukemia, I, yeah. I had almost as joyous of an experience as when I got saved. <laughs> right. Because your blog yeah. post, your, your, your title was Yippee, I Have Leukemia, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I can't really explain that, but I, I got very excited oh, yeah. ab- about when I heard I had leukemia. I think and, that's that's so amazing. Like you don't hear people. Oh yes, I was I was so joyous. Like as when I the day I got saved when I got cancer. <laughs> yeah. So unique. Well, the thing was, I was going. You know what? I, I you know I say all this stuff, and I've been overseas, and I've seen these guys who have really suffered. Yes. Who spent a night in a jungle just eat, eaten up with mosquitoes so they could swim with a you know, plastic wrapped gigantic you know thing of of Bibles. You know swim from Myanmar to China so they could distribute these Bibles, you know, smuggle men. And I'm going, that guy's a Christian. Yeah. You know, you know really? that he's in all the way. But me, I, I'm talking, I'm studying the Bible, I'm trying to find a church. But come on, I, I'm not getting eaten alive in the jungle. Right. <laughs> I'm not facing death. Nobody's threatening to kill me. Right. You know, how, if that ever happened, am I really a Christian? If I was staring at death, what I believe. So I think, you know, something in my subconscious was like, now I get to find out whether I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the unfortunate part of that excitement about leukemia was the lack of excitement in my family, you know, (laughs) seeing (laughs) the devastation in, in them. It was like, oh, you know, I'm going, yeah, let's go through this. Let's see what God does for me. And my family's going, yeah, I got kids. My daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, when she heard, she, you know, jumped out of the car, ran into the bathroom in a gas station, just bawled her eyes out, you know, just on and on. And I heard about that and I'm like, oh, you know, and worse the way they heard about it, because I'm happy, you know, right? you know, text. Hey, 
Lori, I get, I have leukemia. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> that's the best way to deliver that kind of news. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was so terrible. I'm such an awful person. But yeah, but you know, then I, I, I felt like God told me at the start, you're not going to die. I want you to just go through this whole thing. And it was my chance to to find out whether it was a real Christian or not. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, and my wife was real close with me. So right. it was pretty joyous for her too, despite the fears that I might die. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my kids, they didn't get to be that close. They visited me in the hospital, but they didn't spend the nights there and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And so it was, it was pretty hard on them and not hard on my wife and I and we have some of the fondest memories, you know, wow. of of being there in Nashville at Vanderbilt and getting treated for 10 months mm-hmm. and a bone marrow transplant. And I remember they hand me this, this sheets of paper before the bone marrow transplant, well, a manila envelope. Yeah. And I have this manila envelope, you know, and they go, give this to the nurse when you see the nurse. And I'm like, okay. And so I go sit down. I'm like, I wonder what's in it. So I lift this thing up and I flip one page and there's a line. It says, you have a 30% chance of dying from the preparatory regimen and a 20% chance of dying from uh, graft versus host disease after the um, transplant. So I'm like... They should have told me what was in this package instead of I just read it. Okay, okay, we're going to give you chemo so hard that there's a 30% chance you're going to die. Now you know what your kids feel like when you just send them a text. Right, Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, but Uh, anyway, I didn't die. As you you can probably tell. Yeah. (laughs) I, I remember when all that was going on, there was a lot of times where everybody was, was around and they're like, hey, we got to pray for for him and i was like all right let's do it you know um i even remember before when you had all your hair <laughs> and i would always i was like yeah and then as soon as you lost it i was like oh no all this hair is gone what, what happened is this, this is really, really real this, this is, is really happening <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah. made i made some videotapes on youtube that i called the leukemia tapes and i thought that would be a cool name for a right. series yeah. of videos. I mean, it sounds but, like it, yeah. Yeah, but it, they weren't very popular. I didn't get yeah. too much following from that. What, what were you saying in the tapes? You're just like, yippee, I got leukemia. And everyone's like, we no, don't want to hear it. No, actually, mostly I talked about theology. And oh, a lot okay. of it was about faith and works. And, you know, uh, Catholics and Orthodox don't they look, don't mind what I say about faith and works. But a lot of Protestants do. And oh, okay. They don't mm. like it. So I, I did a seven part series on that. I mean, I did some other things and some of them were one of them, the more fun ones was talking about the word remission because everybody knows about, you know, the remission of sins in the Bible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's also remission of leukemia, remission of cancer. Yeah. So once I was in remission, I was like, this is a great picture of what being in remission from sins is. Hmm. You know, you have the remission of sins, and actually it's not the best translation. It's a King James translation. But, you know, most of the time people write forgiveness of sins. That's worse. Um, A worse translation. We can talk about that sometime. I write about it everywhere. The Greek word that's translated, you know, that, that, you know, shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, that Greek word is an awesome word. 
It's mm. translated jubilee. It's the translation for jubilee in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's the translation for the scapegoat in the Old Testament. It's the translation for the release of debts that happens every seven years. And it's a, this awesome word, and we make it forgiveness. No, it's release. It is it is it is forgiveness, but it also being delivered from the power of sin. It's also being restored to your inheritance, yeah. not being under sin anymore, but under Christ. Now it's this tremendous word. And, you know, I just wish everybody knew what it was. But anyway, I was doing remission with, you know, I'm in remission from leukemia. It means leukemia is not affecting me right now. Right. And that. That's where I want to be with sin. I want to be in remission from sin. Right. Because we're not under law, we're under grace. And that means that sin does not have power over us. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 14. And I'm going, that's remission. Sin doesn't have power over you. You're in remission from sin. Just like I'm in remission from leukemia is one of my favorite tapes. And I I got Hmm. really good comments back on that. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Your story is so, so amazing. I really like it. Um, so you went through all that, um, and you, what would, what would you say after coming out through all that to other, I'm I'm trying to, trying to figure out how to phrase this question. What would you say to other Christians who are like you looking like you were looking? What would you say to them? Because you were looking for that unity in the church. And then you eventually found it with a group of people here. Um, what would you say to those people if if someone some of our listeners are listening? They're like, "Oh, I can't, I can't find those people." How did you find those people? Well, I have an answer to that. Now I've been a Christian for uh, pretty close to thirty eight years. Now I've had the answer for two years to that question. Okay, that I, or an answer I would give, and my answer is find somebody else, one person that loves the Lord like you do, or close to like you do and uh and get with them on a regular basis it doesn't have to be every day but it does have to be more than once a week but if that's all you got you know do the once a week and you know exhort one another the the hebrews 10 24 and 25 people quote it you know don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together but that's not what it says it says consider one another and really it's probably better translated know one another that mm-hmm. considers, think about one another. So know one another that you may provoke to love and good works, not forsaking the assemb- not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So it tells us two things to do instead of forsaking the assembly. Mm-hmm. And the two things it says to do is not sit in a pew and sing or sing and give money. Or sing and listen to a sermon. The two things it says to do is to provoke to love and good works and to exhort. And that word exhort can mean encourage, comfort, as well as exhort. So we should be talking to one another Mm -hmm. when we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We should be talking to one another, not listening to one person. So go find one person that you cannot forsake the assembling of yourselves together with and talk back and forth, provoke one another to love and good works. And in the words of your podcast, help each other stay Christian. Right. You know, that's that's what assembling yourselves is for. It's for helping each other to stay Christian. Because, you know, if you're coasting, if you're just 
you know, showing up and being bored, right. you, you are falling away. Right. You are not continuing. You are falling away. You know, the world is trying to influence you every single day. You need people who are trying to influence you for Christ every day. Now, you got the Holy Spirit that's doing that. But in Hebrews, it, you know, it says, exhort one another day by day while it is called today so that you are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. If you don't have people telling you when you've been deceived by sin, mm-hmm. you know, deceived people don't know that they're deceived or they wouldn't be deceived, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. So if yeah. your heart has been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you probably don't know it. Hmm. Yeah. You need somebody to go, brother, what are you doing? You know, I needed someone way back in 1994 when mm-hmm. I was despairing to go, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, I can help you stay away from the magazines. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell me every time it happens. And before it happens, I'm going to be talking to you and going, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. slap your hand in advance. How right. dare you <laughs> walk into a store and even go anywhere near that section of a store? Don't right. do that. Mm-hmm. I needed that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting it, you know. And so, yeah. So now I know, you know. Now I give it to people, man. If I am if I have an accountability group with men, I mean, one of the first things I say is, okay, which of you are looking at pornography? Right. You know, mm-hmm. because you are never going to overcome it without us. Yeah. But together, it doesn't have a chance, you know. <laughs> We're going to empower you. We're going to pray to God. We're going to exhort one another. And we're going to make you feel terrible about turning (laughs) on your computer with that thought in mind. You know, and you just, that's that's what I recommend. That's what you're going for. Mm -hmm. If you manage to find a building or a, you know, big group of people that are mean like that, hallelujah, that's great. You know, Mm -hmm. I've heard about some and, and, you know, look, I don't, there's a New Testament Restoration Fellowship. They're Calvinist. Mm-hmm. They're very Calvinist. They told me when I asked them about coming to visit them that they're very Calvinist and don't want to hear anything else. So I was <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Right. But they have a, a pretty cool system in, in you know. Accountability in, system. Yeah. Fellowship, family kind of thing, sharing, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, followers of the way. They're here in the United States. That's an, another place you can, you know, I talked to a couple of them by video. They look Mennonite, um, but they're not Mennonite. And, you know, I've read some of their stuff. It's very good. And, it, you know, they're sharing their lives. And I, I think that's essential. I think it's, you know, break bread from house to house, continue in the apostles' teachings daily. And, you know, the fellowship of the saints, yeah. There, there's an old track that was passed around in early Christianity. And one of the lines in it, it said, if you share in eternal things, how much more should you guys share in earthly things? You know, share your things with your brother. It is just a wrong thing to reach out your hand to take and to draw it back from giving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it goes on to say, cross the thresholds of the saints every day. Yeah. You know, they didn't lose that doctrine in early Christianity. It's there, you know, it's it's there. You can see it in Acts, but people go, well, that was Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't Jerusalem. You can look at 1 Corinthians 8, you know, he's talking about giving. And he goes, 
you know, you guys are given to, to Jerusalem right now, to the Jewish churches, because they're having a, a drought. But there will come a time when they're giving to you. You know, sometimes you give and sometimes you're taking from each other. You know, that's not the tithe, that's sharing. Mm-hmm. That's sharing with one another. Yeah. And you can, you can do that. Here in the United States, you can share your lives. You can go, me and you are family because we're Christians. And then you just start talking. You start talking about what it means to be a Christian. And you help that person stay Christian. And they help you stay Christian. And Mm -hmm. grow deeper and stronger instead of coasting into wilderness. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, so a quick question to wrap this all up. This is is all really good. Um, What would you say to the Paul Paval who just was told, uh, oh yeah, I do believe in God. And he just had that, you just had that wild experience, you know, you walk back in time and uh, you see your younger self. He's right there. He's at home praying, you know, and once again, asking God back into his heart, you know, (laughs) what would you say to that what would be your advice be to that early Christian Paul Paval? What would be what would be I'm, the thing I'm you said? I'm borrowing this from a guy who said something to me one month after I was a Christian. Who is an evangelist that was visiting there at an Assembly of God Church. His name was Danny Duval. He's still around. Okay. He said, Paul, if you want to know what Jesus wants you to do, just fall in love with Him. And that's what I would say. Hmm. Hmm. Because that was I've never forgotten that. That's you know when I'm. When I'm not doing well, I go, get my eyes on Jesus, fall in love with him, remember the cross. I sent him to the cross. He took my sins away at the cross. And, you know, he's good. He's carried me. He's forgiven me all these years. Yeah. That That's the center of everything. It's hmm. really good. All right, well, I feel like that's a good, that's a good <laughs> note to end on right. <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yeah, thank on. Thank you. This has been this has been really good. That's um, great. And I hope our, our listeners get something out of this. I, well, I enjoy it. I for sure got something. If anything, I <laughs> yeah. get fired up again hearing <laughs> your whole story because it's it's such an amazing one. Yeah. Um yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And um yeah. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. Love you too. Do you have anything else? You don't, you, you don't want me to get started. That's it. I agree with him. Um, That's a great end. No, I have, I have 24 hours of stuff. Right. <laughs> um, so you can find Paul Pavel. If you just do a Google search, even yeah, literally. You'll find yeah. all of his books. Um, Ignore the drummer. Channel. There's another Paul Pavel. He's a drummer. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm not the drummer. I have no music talent. I mean, you could probably watch that if you wanted to, but it wouldn't be what you're right. actually looking for. Exactly. <laughs> so you're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, and if you just do a quick Google search, Paul Pavao. Pavao is spelled P-A-V-A-O. Uh, you can find all of his books on there and all that good stuff. And yeah. Anyways, thank you for coming on. Um, you're welcome. It's great. That's the end of our interview. Um, we don't want to keep you guys too long because we imagine you have to digest all of that like we do. It is a lot, and that was really good. It was really good. Um, but thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We really are honored that you do. We are. We're amazed. Um, if We post every Friday afternoon. 
And if you want to get updates from us, we post updates every time we post on Instagram. Our handle is at stayingchristian. You can follow us there, send us DMs, or you can send us emails at stayingchristian. You can send lots of hate mail there. <laughs> stayingchristian at gmail.com. Um, anyway, thank you again for listening. Super honored. You guys uh, have a good rest of your day, night, where, whatever you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. You guys yep. have a good one. It's been real. Stay real. Stay Christian, guys. Bye. Bye.